0: Welcome to My Life, Chassidah Supplied, episode 222. We are now literally at the end of this Saturday of the year. Tisha B'Av, this year it's a It was postponed to Sunday due to the fact that it was on Shabbos. Commemorating the tragic events, the five tragic events, as the Mishnah says, the end of Tainus, the end of the Tractate of Tainus, the tragic events that happened to our people throughout history. And above all, the destruction of both temples. The first temple by the Babylonians and the second temple by the Romans. And ever since, we've been grieving and mourning and crying and praying and hoping for the rebuilding of the third temple, Yerushalayim, which can still happen before the end of this day. It's also based on the Medrash, the birthday of Mashiach, When? In the afternoon of Tisha B'av. It's true, all this really it was yesterday, but because the fast is today, we can talk about it as well, because the sad part of it we are experiencing now through the fast. In the throes of the abyss, as the flames are rising at their highest in the afternoon, that's when we say Nachim, as we said today after, by Mincha, be consoled because... As the destruction was completed, immediately was born the healing and the cure, the savior of the Jewish people, Mashiach. Some would think that it may not be the best thing to do is to speak and just be quiet and cry and finish Tisha B'Av. And then we can continue on with Chesedis applied and with other things that we do. However, we take our cue and lessons from the Rebbe himself, it was 27 years ago, literally now, in this period in time, 8.35 in the evening, more or less a half hour before the fast was over, before Tisha B'Av was over, it was Osa Nitche Tov Shinnun 1991, 8.35, and the Rebbe left his, opened his door to his room, and went downstairs into 7.70, which was a little surprising, because it was a half hour at least before you could dive in But the Rebbe told his secretary, He will I'm going to say a few words. That's where I'm going earlier. It was the first and only time that the Rebbe ever spoke on Tisha B'Av itself, on the fast. Shabbos Tisha B'Av was a Fabreng, and that was on Shabbos Chazay, that was many times, as we'll mention in a moment. But at a talk, a Sikh, on Tisha B'Av, a a Tainus Sem Gedalia, the Rebbe spoke during the starting in Tav Shalam at Ches. As I've discussed a number of times here. But Tishbav, this was the only time. And the Rebbe indeed spoke, and it's all printed in a Sikha, in Sefer Asikha's Tov Shinun Aleph, volume 2, page 721. Worthwhile reading and learning, because it literally talks about what Aravida is now. So, taking that cue, we are here broadcasting live. Chsid is supplied on this Tishabav Nitche. As the the fast winds down, this program will actually go right on to the end of the fast. Again, if Mashiach comes, the fast will probably be over before. But that is all dependent on minutes here. But one of the things that is a tremendous lesson from all of this, and a personal lesson, the very obvious lesson, obvious way that you can explain even to children, is you know you really see who someone is not when things are going well, not when the sun is shining you really see the power of an individual and of a nation when they are in challenged times, when it's darker. What well, the Rebbe taught us on that Tishab of 27 years ago and on all the Benam Tzadim's in the three weeks and the nine days prior to that, taught us that even in the darkest moments, we have to recognize that there's a deep light and even the deepest light within. And having that type of fortitude and confidence to forge ahead, even when it's a challenging moment, really demonstrates and reflects the true power of the Jewish people as a whole and of each of us as an individual. And the Rebbe, of course, as a Rebbe, Rabin Shal Yisrael, a Nosi B'Yisrael, a leader, commander-in-chief, a visionary, led the way and teaches us the way of how to look even at the darkest moments. Everybody has their little tishabovs throughout life. Sadly. So it could be seen only as a sad day, or it could be seen as a sad day that carries within a tremendous potent energy for joy and happiness and transformation. <inaudible> not just that, they will, that there will be no longer sadness and no longer pain and no longer fasting, but Yehoffu. <inaudible> and the Rebbe demonstrated that 27 years ago. Was it because the Rebbe understood he would have to give us the power until Mashiach comes because we haven't heard from the Rebbe after that, because Chovzayin Oder came less than a year later, Oder, Chovzayin Oder, Tavshinun Beis. We don't know, but a Rebbe, one thing for sure, Pavorans, anticipates and prepares us for everything we need. So we have that Sikha and the Rebbe edited it with the details of that, as I, as I said, 835, coming down to 770, and then afterwards, giving everyone a dollar, and then they dove in have, and after Mairev, the Rebbe began singing, the nigan of his father, a Kofis Because Tisha B'av, as we know, is meant to lead us into Chamishas above the 15th above, which we'll talk about shortly, which is, With that order. Interestingly, even though Yom Kippur is first in the year, if you think from the annual year when it begins Tishrei, but it comes second because Hamish also is the beginnings of the reconciliation and the rebirth. And Hamish above actually will lead into Yom Kippur, as I shall talk about shortly. But let's go back to the Shavos, to B'Av Nitra. Three weeks ago, we spoke about the same idea on uh, Shavos But was also Nitra. Three weeks, every B'Av, the 17th of Tamas is always the same day in the week as Tisha B'Av. But now we're talking about Tisha B'Av. And Tisha B'Av, again, we take our lessons from the Reb himself. There were a number of fabrengans on Tisha B'Av, Shabbos, Chazayin. And I'll name three, even though there, I believe there were more, but three that stand out. And of course, we can't cover it all. And I will also re- cross-reference you to episode 127, two years ago. It's was exactly the same kvirs, and I also spoke about these ideas. But of, co- of course, I'll say, share some thoughts that were not said then. But all taken from these different uh, different stories and, and history. So Tisha B'av Nitche, was Tovshin Chavdalad was the same kavios as well. Tovshin Chavdalad 1964. That Shabbos is Tishah B'av, Tovshin Chavdalad, the Rebbe said a Meimor Kate Som LaCheshach. There should be an end. Place an end to this darkness, to the darkness. The Rebbe said the Meimor, a very powerful Meimor, and then later edited years later. I believe in Tav Shinnun, Factory. the same year that uh, we're talking about 27 years, the Rebbe edited it. So we have also an edited version of the Rebbe's Maimur. And he based the Maimur was also on a Shabbos of Nitcha of the Rebbe Rashab in Tav Ayin Dalet. Ayin Dalet. This was Chov Dalad. So the Rebbe was 50 years from Ayin Dalad to Chov Dal, 50 years, and for now it's to us, to, to, today it is uh, 54 years from then. So 104 years ago, in Tov and Dalad, the Rebbe Rashab said a part of and Bez, it's printed in Volume 1, and it talks about light and darkness, but mostly light. And the Rebbe, in Kate Sam Lachesh, the Rebbe explained, even though the Rebbe Rashab doesn't say it explicitly, but since he said a mimeh on that Shabbos in Tisha Nitra, that most likely has a relationship with it and explained it. There speaks about that there are three levels of bitlin air. air. Air talks about air Air is, of course, Me'in light, is merely a mere reflection and a trans and a and a uh, channel of the source. So there are three levels of its so-called nullification, it's selflessness. One level is because it's me'inhamir, so it is not an entity of its own. It's a reflection of something higher. A deeper level of bitl is that it senses its source and therefore feels completely um, de- devoid of any personality of its own. And number three, not only it senses its source, but it also is drawn to its source, which is even a higher level of bitl. In the Maimek, Ketzal the Rebbe explains the three levels of bitl and he says that we need the highest level to transform darkness to light. You need to have something that goes even beyond dark and light. So the three levels of bitles, one is edis and kalim, that's where you have the bitles, the air feels, the air is connected to the source, and therefore is, uh, has it's uh, therefore is completely dedicated to its source. Then there's the edis that are higher than manifesting in containers, but they're still commensurate to them, to that level. That's the second level where the, where the air feels its source, beyond the container. And then there's the third level as the air that's completely removed from the containers, that's how the air er is yearned and um, and and and, uh, and enters back into its source. And the beautiful Maimir, as I said, Lash Lashcheisha, the Rebbe explains how these three levels all are relevant because even the first level is also permeated by the third higher level. That even when the air er returns to the Keli and is inside the Keli, it also senses that highest level of selflessness. That was the maimer that Rebbe said as I said, 54 years ago. That would be Tavshin Shin Chav Dalet. In Tavshin Lamar Aleph, the Rebbe said, oh, I was also Shabbos Tisha B'Av and the Rebbe said a maimer, Eicha Yosva Bodad, from the Pesach of Eicha, and that maimer is actually also edited, and also printed, Tavshin Lamar Aleph, and that's that's founded on the Tzamech Tzedek's Eicha, as well as the Rebbe Rashaab said, Eicha Maimer and Eicha in, in Eter, I'm not going to sum up the, 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 the idea there, but there too he speaks about Echa, there's Echa Yashva Bodad, the loneliness in a negative way, but Echa Yashva Bodad from the verse that says, that they sit alone higher than, loneliness can be lower than a, a lowly level, where you feel lonely and you're beyond society, beyond civilization, you don't feel that you're friends and so on, but then there's a level of Atik, that Ach Enloy does not have a partner because it's alone, because it's higher than all levels. And this discusses that at length. And the third that I wanted to mention was uh, 27 years ago, Tavshin Nunalev, where the Rebbe spoke the Sicha, didn't say Amaimah then, but spoke the Sicha that I mentioned earlier. In all these Kviyasin, uh, in all these uh, years, the theme comes down to the transformation this transformation, the power to transform even the darkest of the dark. So now that we are here in Tisha B'Av Nidcha this year, and we're just concluding, uh, Soda sort of, of the 10th of Av, thought it was appropriate to cite some of this, so to give us strength, it helps us give direction and guidance, and the personal lesson, Chassidus applied, of how no matter what situation we're in, this is a lesson in life, that there's a light, there's a deep light within it all. And even though a person may feel lonely, but there's a loneliness also that, that connects to a loneliness that's higher, knowing that you're unique and that you're special and you have something that stands out and you're indispensable. That's only a, also a lonely thing, but that's a positive bodod instead of a negative one. I will also add that um, I just saw a story that I heard once years ago from Mendel Marozov, but I just heard it again, so I thought it was worthwhile sharing. One of the mishalim, one of the analog- metaphors or analogies Chizkidus gives for gollus, and of course fittingly for tishabov, is the darkness, is the silence, the silence, the silence of the teacher preparing to give present a deep, new, unpre- unprecedented revelation to the student. Another example is given of the father hiding from his child. In order to elicit the ingenuity of the child to find the father. We all remember, or it's one of the most powerful and emotionally driven and charged Sikhs of the Rebbe in to Bishvat, when the Rebbe spoke with tremendous tears and crying about this moshal that the father hides from the child and he hides so well that the child stops searching. The Rebbe then said, "Sunday searching for his father. Monday is searching. Tuesday is searching. Viful zashir. How much is the limit? The father hid so well, and it's not the fault of the child. It's the father that knows how to hide so well." Which, of course, is apropos to this time, because when we when do we sense that darkest moment when the father is hiding? Is of course in Golus and Tishabov is the epitome. Of the destruction of the temples, and the concealment of the divine. So the story is that uh, the, uh, the time of the Rebbe Rashaab, so of course the Friediker Rebbe is the Rebbe Rashab's son. It was Chonya Reb Chonya Marozov had come to the Rebbe Rashab, I believe, in Tovrishon and Ches, and he ultimately became a chavrusa with the Friediker Rebbe. They were very close, and he also became a maskil for certain personal matters of the Rebbe Rashaab, a secretary assist. They were close. I don't know Mendel Marozov and other Marozovs tell stories about, as they were children, they would play there, different uh, beautiful, uh, fascinating stories. Here's a story with this daughter of Khony Marozov, her name was Racholei Marozov. She was, uh, of course, because they were like close to Beis Harav, so she was uh, friendly. They once traveled, this is the way the story is told, they were traveling overseas, uh, me- overseas meaning outside of Russia, probably not overseas, let me correct that, and um, to another, another country. And the Frida Kareba was with them, and Habchania, and Habchania took his daughter. And also the Frida Kareba took, I don't know if all his daughters, but Shane, the youngest daughter, was there. Now the story, some say, happened in Lubavitch, but I heard a version that happened outside, but either way, the story is the same point. Anyway, they were there, and uh, Habchania told his daughter, why don't you go play with Shana? Shayna was two years older than her. But nevertheless, they were commensurate in age, So She went to play with her, but Shayna was playing with someone else. And they weren't interested in playing with her. But she, like, insisted. So they decided to play a trick on her. Played the game, hiding or seek. Then you blindfold one 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 person, one child. And then the child has to find the other two who are hiding. by calling on them and reaching out and so on. And they said, you be the one that's blindfolded, not... They understood that what they probably wanted to do was just, you know, have her blindfolded. But, but she still wanted a place, so they blindfolded her. And they hid. They went out of the room, which was not according to the rules that she shouldn't be able to find. She started looking and looking. She hears the door open. And she goes over to what, she hears the sounds. And she touches someone. She suddenly realizes it's not one of the girls. It's an older man. It's an adult. She takes over the blindfold. And who was it? The Frida Kareb. So she got so, so embarrassed she apologized, apologized, up and said, no, you touched me, now I'm it, so to speak, and I will now blindfold and, you have, and I have to find you. Shana and her friend came in and see what's going on. Shana was so embarrassed, she says to her father, it's, not, it's a game for children, not for you. He says, no, 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 I am here now, she touched me, so now I have to be the one that participates. Shane said, but you weren't part of the game, Shayna says to her father. You were not part of the game in the beginning. Father said, look, we have to play honestly. And this version of the story that Mendel doesn't say, but they say in the name of uh, Recholeah, that what? That, she, that the Rebbe said, the Fritika Rebbe said to her, that, you know, when you grow up and they want to ask whether your father was honest, you want it to be able to answer yes. And if they ask me, when, Shane, when this girl, Recholeah, will grow up and ask whether you were honest, so even though you're upset now, let's continue playing the game. And the Fritika Rebbe covered his eyes or blindfolded himself, and he was playing with them. Hanya Marazov suddenly walks in, sees what's going on, and he says to Frida Kareba, What is this? Your father is looking for you. He's waiting for you. Your father's waiting for you. So what are you playing here with the children? He says, My father is looking for his child, and I'm looking for my children. And one version, he added to Frida Kareba, and sometimes looking for your child is more important than the father. That I don't want to say for sure, because that I did not hear from Rabbi Mendel Marazov, and would the Freedic Rebbe say something like that, Rebbe Rashab, may not be the case. But there is a version like that as well. Think of the story, an unbelievable story, of he's looking for his child and I'm looking for my children. And a Rebbe is a Daimun damon So though it's true on one hand, the father hides and conceals, but obviously the whole purpose of it, like Simson Bishvil Hagili, the whole purpose of it is revelation, not concealment. And as much as we have seeked and searched out, God is also searching for us. But for whatever mysterious reason, He wants us to make one more move, one more effort. As the Rebbe told us, Tut So we cannot give up, and we cannot be resigned, and we have to keep searching and keep seeking, and demonstrate that we saw through And this is both on a personal level and a collective level. That's how we have to think. There's no other option. When you hear from people who've grown through, who've uh, endured terrible, tragic events, you'll always hear one key line. I was either going to sink or swim. Either I'm going to dig deeper or I'm going to fall. And that's what I did. I decided to dig deeper. And that's what we do. Bless us. We should have the minimal amount of pain, but Tisha B'Av reflects all forms of pain, both individual losses and collective of every sort, emotional, psychological, physical, spiritual. So Tisha B'Av is the perfect day to make this resolution, especially as we come to the end of the day, with the goal of it leading us into the next few days, and that takes us to the next topic. And that is, Chamish HaAsr B'Av will be the end of this week. And as the Rizal explains, why is it the greatest holiday? The Gemara says at the end of Tainus its reasons, but still, what's the deepest reason? Is because this is the Aliyah, the Shleimus Alavona Mila Alavona, which we're Mikdash tonight. We sanctify the full moon after what? After the great descent of the moon of Malchus. So even though every full moon is a special, Kaimesir Bashlumus Musa special. But the more the greater the descent, the greater the ascent. Because the moon was so wounded and injured through the destruction of the temple on Tisha B'Av, Malchus was so wounded. That's why when Malchus is renewed, She in the Schadish Kamesah, and especially it becomes a full moon, that represents a renewal that is an unprecedented renewal. And that renewal leads us toward Elul, which leads us to Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Because remember, these are the days Moshe Rabbeinu was on the mountain praying for the Jewish people after they built the golden calf, which was also the The breaking of the Luchas of the, of the tablets, was on the 17th of Tammuz, the beginning of the three weeks. What happened on the 17th of Tammuz after breaking the tablets, he went back up on the mountain. So where's Moshe right now? In commemorating what was happening then, he's on the second 40 days praying for the people. But it's not going so well. He may cast God is not giving in, and yet in those prayers lies the birthing that will happen by El in a few weeks from now, tune of some two weeks and some days, two weeks from Tezvav uh, of Moshe will come down and go up again el second day or the first day different opinions and come down when Yom Kippur, so Yom Kippur will be and he'll have Selachti and forgiveness finally, so you can't say these forty days was a waste. At the time, it was was still difficult. But ultimately, it led to the next 40 days, and ultimately led to Yom Kippur. So Tuba and Yom Kippur is the same theme. The birthing that happens after the fall, after the break. The reconciliation and the growth that comes after the sin. And that's why, indeed, the month of this Av, which is Mazel Aryeh, Leo, Arya is a racronym for Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Shainer Abed. Yom Kippur included. All born in these days. Full moon. Now, interesting phenomenon this year is that this full moon is going to be an eclipse. But they say it's one of the longest eclipses ever. And in this century, the longest eclipse. I believe 104 minutes. Where most eclipses are are shorter than that. 10, 20, 30 minutes shorter than that. A lunar eclipse. So let's talk about it for a moment. What's the significance of that? Because seemingly, it seems to be the opposite message. A lunar eclipse, the Gemara says, and so, and the, there's a whole sikhah from the Rebbe in it, the Chelik Tezvov, the Noyak Sikhah, the Rebbe said the sikhah, in Tov Shalom, at Parsha Shlach for Pigisha, when college students came, and he spoke about the Gemara that says, that is not a good simon for the Jewish people. So on one hand, is the full moon that comes after Tisha B'Av, and therefore, the greatest Yom Tav, all year round, like Yom Isha time of marriage, and a time of Yichud, and a time of Yichud Shim the unification of Zohar Malchus, the language of sun and moon, full moon. On the other hand, a lunar eclipse, but not just a lunar eclipse, the longest of all. So in Tav Mentes which would be in 1989. I actually wrote to the Rebbe a personal note. Not personal, personal, but uh, it wasn't on the Sikh. Usually uh, the questions I would write, usually were on the Sikha. I wrote a note. It was exactly written on Yudal Menachemov, Tov Memtes. Tes. It was a Tuesday. And uh, I wrote about a class that I give, cl- I give a weekly class. And some of the people in the class um, asked about this lunar eclipse that seems to contradict the whole theme of a full moon, especially of Hamish HaSibov. And I said, even though the Rebbe explained once that a liquid does not mean it's negative, it means it's only a predisposition, because you can't take away free will, but still a predisposition and not a positive one. So how do you reconcile? So the Rebbe first wrote that every likuy levonah in any month, is always in the, half, in the middle of the month because it's, it's basically when, the, when the, the earth is exactly between the sun and the moon and the moon is in the shadow of the earth. So the moon is blacked out. So the Rebbe wrote, everything, it's always in the, in the middle of the month. And that's what causes the liquid. Because you can't have an eclipse if the moon is not exactly aligned with the earth and the sun. Okay. So I wrote a follow-up letter because I was not sure whether the Rebbe was answering the question or not. So I asked, was the Rebbe hinting to an answer? And saying that there is, even though the Gemara says it's a negative, but there's something positive in it because it happens in the, half of the, at the, in the middle of the month. So the Rebbe made a question mark and an exclamation point he wrote. It says clearly it's a negative thing. Where's the shlemus? Where's the perfection? What kind of quality is it? And then the Rebbe wrote an answer. He says, He says, <laughs> When you say that some, there's a good simon, a good sign for a person, or God forbid the opposite, does not mean that 100% tev mamish, that ever wrote 100%. That doesn't mean that everything, and everything that's happening, is going to be 100% good. And he gave an example, Nesa, Pesel, those that carry the of of Micha, the... the they were there when they sang the song of the sea after the Kriyas Yamsuf. So you see, something could be a very high level of happening and still there could be something that's not positive. So the Rebbe is saying the fact that it's a full moon and tuba of, and all the miles of it doesn't mean that we live, we're still in the world where it's not perfect. So we live in a situation where you could still have a situation that there still could be a fault. Something is not perfect. Obviously, till Mashiach comes, I'm adding that. So, what we'd say then is the fact that there's a lunar eclipse this year is not meant, God forbid, to push, cast a shadow over, no pun intended, over T'chosh above. T- 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 it's meant to say the opposite that even though we still don't have Mashiach here, and the moon is still not a moon that is still dependent on the light of the sun, which will change when Mashiach comes. The moon will become like the sun, as it was originally in the creation before the moon was diminished. So even though there is not perfect yet, yet we still have Hamishas above and all its qualities. So we're not ignoring and denying the eclipse part. Now, as we know, every eclipse is meant to elicit greater effort to counter the forces of that eclipse. I'm adding this as, a, as, a, as an additional point in understanding what the lesson is. So one could say that when there's a longer eclipse, on one hand, yes, it's maybe longer darkness, and reflects a, um, a, uh, a setback, so to speak. But the goal of it is to turn it into a full moon. Because what happens a moment later, as the Rebbe says in some of the Sikhs, that right after the eclipse, it's not like there was a real eclipse. It's not the moon's fundamentally changed. Right afterwards, the moon comes back in its full glory. That same night in Chemishos above, the end of this week, you'll see the moon's going to be in its full glory. And now it's a full glory coming after the eclipse. So it seems to have the same power like Chamisha above in general after the eclipse of the moon on Tishabov. So it's still symbolizing that there is, yes, a darkness. And maybe being the dark, the longest eclipse this century, this will be it. This will be the last eclipse of such length. And we'll be able to merit to already have no longer eclipses, but only light. So the eclipse is meant to bring out even a greater power as we see that the moon comes back in full glory right after a moment after the eclipse ends. Okay. So there's some interesting uh, relevant material to this year's eclipse, the Tubov, and then of course we go right into Shabbos Nachamu. Its message is very clear, Nachamu Nachamu Ami, double Nachamu, just like Luxa Bekiflam, just like we were struck twice by a and by Sheni, same thing the Nacham is a double Nacham. And double doesn't just mean in quantity, it's also in quality. It's a powerful sikha from the rabbi, I believe in Toph Nun, Shabbos Nachamu, We speaks about it and discusses at length. The Mugadik HaSikha and Sefer is Toph nun Okay. So Nachamu, and V'Azchanun, it comes from the word Hanen, Davening, Hanen, Hanun, Varachum, Moshe Davening, for what? To go into Eretz Yisrael. We all know, it says in the Sfarim. Megala Mukas and Semach Sadiq brings it that a Meshmeisha would have gone into Israel the could never have been destroyed. That's what he was praying for. He wasn't praying just for his own going into Israel. He wanted the Geula. And finally after 515 prayers Gematari Veschanan the just told him stop. So what's Veschanan? So the question is asked as the Rebbe asked the question why couldn't he tell him after the first prayer after the second prayer you wait 515 prayers till you tell Meshmeisha to stop is that, if you're not going to listen anyway to his prayer, why have him pray 415 times? And if you are going to let him pray, let him pray, go pray, pray continue praying. So Chassidus talks a lot about the Tav Kuf tezvav, what it means, the diagram of Tav Kuf, and Tezvov connected, by the way, Tezvov again, Tezvav Boav, Yud and Vovke, Yudke Yud kei is 15, Yud and Hei. It's also brought in the, these sikhs that we're talking about here, uh, Tav Shinun and Tav Shinun Aleph of Shabbos Chazayin and Shabbos Nachmu. And the, but the Rebbe explains, because Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah, an additional question before we answer. And why does the Torah have to document this? We have to hear that Moshe Rabbeinu prayed and it wasn't successful, and told him to stop. And the, finally, the question, sadik prays for something, a decrees God fulfills. God decrees that sadik can, sadik can, uh, mevatl. God makes a decree and, God, and the Tzaddik can eliminate it. So what happened here? Why didn't it work? The answer is it did work. Every one of those prayers opened the doors. That ultimately would make it easier for the Eden, when they went into Yisrael, to conquer the land, make it easier for them to go through the years of Golis, and make it easier for them to bring the Gola. So later when Hashem tells Moshe before his passing, go up on the Har, and I'll show you Eretz it's Yisrael. Har Nevoi. Well, the Hanover is where he's where he's uh, buried, but he tells him to go up in the mountain. I'll show you to Sro. So the question is asked: Moshe wanted to go into so He wasn't looking for sightseeing, God forbid. So that Bragat says, and the Rebbe brings it that the seeing of a tzaddik when he looks at the land it made it easier for them to conquer the land. So in other words, Moshe's prayers did ultimately help. It didn't bring the Goliath because they weren't zeicher; they didn't merit. But Tzibov is also connected to all of this because you know Tishabov was. Also the Gzeda of uh, the Mechet that they would all pass away in the Midbar. And that's why every year they would, as the Gemara says, they would dig graves because they were preparing to die. And Tubov was at the time, at the end of the uh, Tisha of the last year, they, they realized on Tuba'ov that it's not happening, the Gzeda is over. So that's another reason for Tuba'ov. So though they weren't Zeche, they didn't merit, as Moshe did not, because Moshe, the captain of the ship, stays with the people, to go on to and bring the Gerulah, but they prepared the way and they paved the way. So Veschanan is all connected to the same theme of Nachmu and Hamish HaSaba'ov, and its, and its applied message is that every prayer counts. And for every negative, we have the power to console, be consoled and console others. And consolation brings transformation. So when you see someone a little in pain, remember them. Nachmu Nachmu Ami. The Ebesh is telling the Novi. I, that Ebesh, I know you can read in a few weeks from now. I can console. But I'm also telling you, human beings, you can console each other. You reach out to someone. Someone's in pain, say a kind word. Show them you care. may not have a solution, but loneliness is the worst possible thing. Show that you can do something and you're there for a person. That gives tremendous strength even if we don't always have a direct solution. The type of support that people gain from each other gives them confidence, gives them the will and the power and the strength to fight and ultimately prevail. Okay. So there we covered in rather longer than usual, but because the period in time demands it. So let me go from here into a few questions that are connected, obviously, to this period, all this type of theme how from darker states we can come to greater states. So here's a question. What are practical tools and techniques for growing through negative experiences? How to turn around a negative experience? So let's just, I've talked about this theme many times. I'll give you a few um, cross-references. First of all, cross-references to Chamish Haaseboa Vashchan and Nachamu Episode 77 and 128. And about negative experiences, well, it's been so many times, I don't even know if I can even uh, enumerate them. But what I'll do now is instead of an analysis, which we've been speaking about, the meaning that the fact of the matter, there is no such thing as darkness, as an end in itself. I alluded to it before, the father hides from the child, not in order to hide, in order to be found. In the language of Chassidit, it's Simpson Hagili. Any darkness, any concealment is only for greater revelation. That's a tremendous thing in every technique in growth. Every technique when you're dealing with a difficulty is to always remember that. So technique number one is study the ideas. Study the ideas of spiritual growth. Understand the concept. You read the Halia. That the descent is not just to bring the ascent, but it's part of the ascent. That sometimes the only way to go forward is to draw back. You want to shoot an arrow farther, you've got to draw back. So darkness is sometimes a sign of a great, great, not sometimes, always a sign of great strength. Deeper thirst creates more, deeper thirst creates more passion to, get what, to quench that thirst. And hundreds of other examples that we see this brings on this topic. Learn about this, and make your mindset has to think. Don't think in terms of negative, what am I going to do? Negative, why is it happening? Negative, feeling resentful, bitter, angry, demoralized. Think negative, how is this a step to positive? That's technique number one. And the more you study it, the more cognitively you can accept, connect to that, you create a cognitive life raft, the more it ultimately can impact also your emotions. Because obviously the emotions don't feel it. We have the famous Moshe of the Baal Shemt of swindling staircase. A regular staircase could be a long staircase, but you see the destination. A swindling staircase, why is it called Schwindel? swindling, a spiral? Because it swindles you into thinking you're not reaching any destination. You're not climbing. When in fact, you are. And right before destination, you turn your back to the destination, you can think, Panei Alai Eiref, that you don't, see the, you don't see the destination and you can give up right before you reach. That's how we have to always think. That's the technique number one. Technique number two, be around people who are life-affirming, positive. I mentioned before, find people who believe in you, who have confidence in you, who are there to help you in difficult times either with kind words. Don't be around other people who are, who are demoralizing. It's the worst thing you could do. You need people to give you strength. Even though in moani, what am I alone? You need others to give strength. That's number two. Number three, be involved in service. Serve others. Help others. Volunteer. Teach. Inspire. When you serve others, number one, you don't focus that much on yourself. Number two, you get a sip of konef, you get great satisfaction. At the end of the day, you feel satisfied I did something for someone. Number four, find activities, exactly that. Hobbies, other, other reading, exercise, learning, whatever it is that you feel at the end of the day, every day you go to sleep, not feeling defeated, but feeling affirmed, feeling, ah, I feel happy I did something today for myself. These, these things may be small steps, but they make a tremendous difference. Next, every morning when you say, and the evening, concentrate, focus, God has given you a soul. He's given you a vote of confidence. What do you need more? A vote of confidence, a renewal of your contract and fulfilling your mission in this world. And before you go to sleep, instead of thinking the negative, think, I am now entrusting, my spirit to God, give me a peaceful sleep so I can be renewed tomorrow and re- re- reinvigorate, reinvigorated with renewal, renewed commitment to my mission. And the list goes on. These are a few techniques that I would suggest well finally and Mitzvah itself is the best of all tools <laughs> they're meant to give us sustenance they're spiritual sustenance everyday studying something everyday praying and everyday doing good deeds <laughs> the world stands on these three pillars and also your Elam Kot your microcosmic world stands on them they nourish you they nurture you they cultivate and they give you the strength take on any given challenge. Obviously, there's more to be said on this, but let's suffice with that. The next question, loneliness. How can I find friends? So this I discussed in episode 1428 and 128. So I'm not going to repeat, I've, I've elaborated there, I'll just say one or two points. First of all, many people feel that they, don't, they can't find friends because they feel that either they feel bad about themselves, they don't want to be a burden on others, or they feel people don't respect them. Often it's projecting your own lack of self-esteem that causes you you're not liked. So you think others won't like you. Remember, Ezu <inaudible> Who is the wise person who learns from everybody? That means everyone has something to learn, and has everything has someone to, has something to teach. Find something in yourself, and if not, you can do it your own. Find a mentor, a mashpia, a friend that can help advise or identify, something that you contribute. When you have something to contribute, then you're not just coming, be my friend, I'm never a a, a, a a pitiful case, I need friends. No, you have something to contribute, not in an arrogant way, in a humble way. Recognize a quality you have, and try to find a place where that quality can be used. But automatically, you'll make friends through that. It doesn't have to be necessarily a job or work, it can be something you volunteer or something else that you're doing that's more your free time that's one thing do things that make you feel good about yourself nobody wants to be around somebody that is self-pitying that fe- that is a nebuch case be honest people don't want to be around someone like that some people will overlook it but you don't want to be in a situation like that so do things that are making you not that way don't look at it like I'm desperate for friends so I want to be my friend and if you need be you'll find some people who can help you and guide you and train you if you're not so used to how to do this. This is, of course, tremendously relevant to Echa Yashvah Badad. Echa Yashva Badad and it says in Svarim, the Medrash says, Echa is also the Ayako in the same letter as Eicha that, that, that Hashem says to Adam. Where are you? In a sense, you become lonely. I don't recognize you anymore. I don't recognize your divine image after you ate from the tree because we become the cognitive dissonance. We become... We betray ourselves, we betray our spirit, we betray our identity. And that causes Eicha, a loneliness. When the goal is the opposite, Ayeko, as Alter Rebbe told that minister when he was in prison, where are you, where do you stand? Reconnect to who you really are. And that causes you to be able to overcome any form of loneliness, finding companionship. That will be fabreng, we have a Chavrusa, you learn with people. You find ways to counteract. It doesn't always have to be be my friend. Come sometimes join a class. There are many classes around. There are many different opportunities where you can become connected with others. Let's go to the next question. Broken and seeking comfort. Dear Rabbi Jacobson, Our beloved mother of blessed memory, our best friend and mentor, passed nearly two and a half years ago. We continue to feel brokenness and longing. We've been studying Jewish texts and watching shiurim primarily delivered by Chabad. But we still have questions. We would very much appreciate if you would address our questions regarding allotted time, quote-unquote. In our Rosh Hashanah prayer, we pray, who shall live and who shall die? Who shall live out of his allotted time? And who shall depart before his time? In Minasana Tekev. One, can prayer extend a lot of time? Our mother, a very private person, did not want others to know about her illness. Only a very small circle of relatives and friends. Does the number of people that pray influence the prospect for recovery? Two, can better medical treatment extend a lot of time? Can better medical treatment affect the quality of a lot of time? Three, is the way, for example, a disease in which an individual passes predetermined? Is the way in which an individual passes, for example, a disease, is that predetermined? Thank you very much for your kind attention, kind regards, two two sisters seeking comfort. Well, first of all, being that it's the week of Nachmu, Nachmu, please accept my condolences, even though you say it's been a while, but still, you're definitely carrying the void and the pain. So please accept my comfort, maybe is a better word, being that we're outside of the Shiva period. And remember that you're not alone God is number one with you. The soul of your mother is with you and works through you. Though we can't see a soul, the soul sees you. So you have to remember to get, and that soul is not in pain unless you're in pain. So please keep in mind that, that your goal is to live up to the spirit that she and her legacy and the things that she believed in, that she educated you to do. Don't underestimate that power. And focus on the positive. How can you be a live, create a living memorial for her? What can you do daily? weekly, monthly, annually, that will, in a way, make her proud, will perpetuate the things she believed in, the value she, she inculcated in herself and in you. And though this doesn't an answer to your questions, I wanted to just begin with that. That's, to me, the most important thing of all. Regarding your questions about a lot of time, well, we know prayer works, and therefore, even though a person has a lot of time, nevertheless, we can pray, and, and yes, extend that time. God can give a person more time. There are stories, many stories in Talmud and Chazal and uh, Sipurit Sadikim and others. There were, prayer helped in that way. Who's going to decide? God decides. So, number one, absolutely. Prayer can extend. Rosh Hashanah designates what Hashem has in store. But that doesn't mean we can't pray. As a, as a matter of fact, the Chesidus talks about what about the fact that we pray every day, even though Rosh Hashanah is designated. Because you still can open up channels. Rosh Hashanah's prayer is not the final say. It's the general picture. comes down to details. There are different explanations in the Mamari Chesidus and Kuntur Semayin, and other places that discuss this. So yes, Rosh Hashanah is the, is the way God writes it in the Book of Life. But we can always extend it. The question of whether more prayers work than others, it's a good question. I don't think this is a matter of quantity, but we do see that when someone's ill or someone's not well, we do pray and we try to get many people to pray. Because look, not only doesn't hurt, but more prayers opens up more doors. God listens to all prayers. So I look at it like that. If, If you have one person praying, it's like giving you some strength. If you can get a lot more strength and a lot more energy coming from different directions and you don't know who may have the greatest merit, by all means. So I would say, let's not minimize even Birch's Hedjet, even the prayer of one individual, the blessing of a Hedjet, but but we can't minimize it and say, no, that's not enough. But having more, it definitely whatever that one prayer does, many more can do so much more. That would be the response to that. And yes, it could absolutely re- recover, cause recovery. Medical treatment, well, look, God told us, He gave us permission. He gave permission for the healer to heal. So, though God is the ultimate healer, God is the healer, but He told us to go to a doctor. So, what's the question? If God forbid a person is not well, and they don't go to a doctor, and they become even sicker, and God forbid they die, had they gone to a doctor, of course they could get more years. What we need to know is that after all, God is the final say, that even if you go to a doctor, and it doesn't work, we should know that a person's a lot of time God determines. So I'm not saying that a person, of course, you know, God forbid also a person can do something very dangerous, even though they have having a lot of time to their life, whatever it is, 120 years, and then they do something destructive that causes them to lose those years. So that's, a person has free will. So just like we can do things to cause us to be less than a lot of time, one could say a lot of time. I can't say that medical medicine is actually giving you more than a lot of time. It may be helping you live up to that a lot of time, but we don't know. We'll never know that question. Prayer changes things. Whether medicine will actually create more, give better medical treatment, create more a lot of time, you could always say that the medical treatment, if you did it, you get the a lot of time that you were designated for. I think that's the way I would say it. I, I lean toward that way rather than saying that actually medicine can give you more than God would have given you. I don't believe that's correct. Can it affect the quality? Of course it can affect the quality of a lot of time. You could have a better quality life, less quality. The way a person passes is that predetermined. Well, it's predetermined that God wants to take someone. He's going to find a way to take them. Will it be through disease? Will it be through some other way? This is God's mysterious ways. So it's predetermined that the person will go. Will they go for, if it won't be this, it may be something else. You know, David HaMelech was learning all the time and that when Malach HaMovitz couldn't get him until he made a noise and caused him to stop learning for a moment. One way or another, if Hashem wants to take someone, God forbid, when the time comes, he's going to take him. And if your person's extremely healthy and there's no disease, there may be other ways. So I don't think that you can really think of it in those terms that disease is the predetermined, the death is the predetermined, unless, of course, we extend the contract which we can definitely do. Again, I want to again reach out to you and my heart goes out to you and um, all my prayers and blessings to be strong with each other. Do positive things. Remember, that's what your mother wants you to do. She waits. The soul needs the children to be the arms and legs and the eyes and ears to do positive things that that soul would have continued doing had that person continued living on this earth. Next question. Understanding Hashem in light of tragedies. So this again, I refer you to episodes 11, 61, and 83. Dear Rabbi Jacobson, someone once asked me the following question. Why do we praise Hashem for taking us out of Mitzrayim since He was the one who put us there in the first place? What would be an effective way to respond to this question? I also saw another angle from which to ask this question. Not sure why on Pesach we celebrate our freedom instead of mourning the loss of four-fifths of the Jewish people. After the Holocaust, we didn't celebrate God for giving the survivors their freedom. I think this kind of misses the point of Pesach, but I'd be interested to hear your take on these questions. Many thanks. And to broaden the question, you could say everything like that. Why do we pray to go out of Golos? Hashem put us here in the first place. In the famous sikh of the Rebbe Rashiab, "Fridy Nishmatun not with our desire and will to be going to Golus, not with our desire will we go out of Golos. But we're told, as he says in Tanya, Pelek Lamed Zayin, Masenu Baved Desenu Toli, our actions and our activities and our initiatives and our mitzvahs and Teila mitzvahs, that and that is dependent the Gula. Obviously, God will decide the moment He wants it to come, just like He decided when we left Egypt. But our effort absolutely makes a difference. We can speed it up, Achishenah, <laughs> Im Tishmo, as the Gemara says, that you can make it happen earlier. The lib already says we've gone through Kol Kitsin and we've gone through everything and we did all the chuva and everything. So now for sure the time is it's high time and it's over time. So even though, yes, of course, Hashem is the one that decides, but what's the contradiction for us to do whatever we can to make him make the decision earlier? God does not just make a decision and says, okay, it doesn't make a difference what you're going to do. It absolutely makes a difference what we're going to do. Say it's Dakimakadeva Sasa Guullah. You have so many different mitzvahs. So it speeds up the geula, clear chazal, and the Ebrister told us that. So we're not defying God, we're not challenging Him. God has His schedule, so to speak. That's Be'ita, in its time, and then there's the achishemah that we can speed up the process. So let's bring it now back to this. Why do we praise Hashem for taking us out of golos out of Mitzrayim, even though He put us there in the first place? Like He told Avram Avinu that they will be va'avdu, the inu they will be in a nation, but they'll be in another nation. So that was the Gzeda. We all know the famous Rambam and the Raivad that talk about why the Mitzrayim were punishment of God designated because they did more than was necessary or no one dis- said that this individual Mitzri Egyptian had to be the one that oppressed the Jews. But the bottom line is, yes, God put them there in order of we should go out with great treasure. So what's the contradiction? We praise Hashem because He takes us out. And we also praise Him, the Gemara says, even on the negative Just like we we praise God on a blessing, we also praise on the negative. Why? Because the negative is also meant to bring positive. One of the reasons. So, just because God puts us in a difficult situation, we don't say praise when we get out of it. On the contrary. We say praise because you took us out of this place. Why did I? You put us in the first place? Fine, we can pray. Don't put us and don't bring us to a challenge. Don't put us in a negative place. If you can get that God to prevent that, by all means. But he puts you in a place that's never for the bad, it's always for the good. As explained in Tanya and in many places in Exodus. As far as we're celebrating the positive, that's what we always do. We don't celebrate the negative, obviously. The Holocaust or the four-fifths or whatever, whoever remained in Mitzrayim, that's tragic. And we cry for that. And we even say to Hashem, we have tainus even. But we move on and we focus on building because we don't know God's mysterious ways. What we do know is we're here. We're here and we're alive. So if someone is a survivor of a situation, someone comes out of a guula, protis, a personal redemption, or or a collective one, obviously you have to say thank you. That is what we should be doing. And on the contrary, that brings out the beauty of it, to say I have a sense of entitlement. I don't say thank you because you put me in this. This is not a human thing. You could say someone that hurts you now that you, hurt, you abuse me, like the guy said by my, 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 the, the joke. The wife says, my husband makes me ill and then takes me to the best doctors. Don't make me ill and don't take me to the best doctors. But that's in the humans. If God puts a person in a situation, it was always, always for the good. Gamzula Teva. It's always for the good. We don't see it. So when we finally discover the good, obviously we recognize it. Okay, with that, let us go over to what well, we have here, a bunch of follow-up, but because of time, I see the time went over a bit, I'm going to, um, what I'm going to do is, and because it's also Tisha B'Av coming to the end of, to make a quick decision, an executive decision here, Um We also want to speak about how to be a good parent continued. So let me do uh, one follow-up, okay? How's that? We'll do one follow-up, and then we'll do the others next week. One follow-up goes back a bunch of weeks. It's really not even related, but let me just get it out of the way. Did the Rebbe say anything about July 4th? This was in episode 219. So I discussed it at length and I discussed the letter that the Rebbe wrote to President Bush referring to the words of John Adams. So this person writes, interestingly enough, the letters that John Adams sent his wife are war private letters. The private letters pays homage to the concept of Ishu Beisei which is celebrated on the 28th of Sivan which is what the Rebbe connects it with his coming to America with July 4th. Read more about Abigail, her policy and advocacy for women's education and her behind the stone supporter of her husband, And her being a her husband is of no coincidence. And they say, send me to a link. The Saint Lechachem. Okay, that's fine. But as I mentioned then, the Rebbe does not say it was a letter from John Adams to his wife. That happens to be the case. But John Adams also said this in 1776, I believe on July 2nd before Congress. Right before the day of the Declaration of Independence. So whether he wrote to his wife first or not, that has to be checked on the date, but it was a public statement that he made exactly that same line that he wrote to his wife it was also said publicly as I discussed back then. But thank you for your comment, and here's a good opportunity. If you have comments, rebuttals, you want to add sources, anything that you'd like to add to this conversation, please, I really not just welcome it, I insist, if I can do that, I encourage you to write to MeaningfulLife.com slash there's a forum there, an anonymous forum. You can use your name if you want, if you add your name to the, into the box, but you don't have to, so you can ask any question you like. Completely confidential, completely anonymous. No one has a way to trace it even. So let me encourage you to do that. If you go there as well, meaningfullife.com slash my life, you'll find a rich archives of all previous episodes as well as four, three, and a half, three years of, of essay, essay submissions that came in the first three contests and the ones that we're now posting every week new essays that came in this year's contest. Okay, as well, of course, I should mention the opportunity as we said yesterday's Haftada, concluding Zdoka, that this program is publicly sponsored, meaning we need your support, your sponsorships in honor of honor of a loved one or memory of a loved one to help this continue and the time and energy and effort that goes into the research and the work that we do as a public service. So thank you for that. And with that, I will do the parenting as well as the other follow-up next week. Bli Neder. And we will go now to the question question. And then the essays. Khsidis question is this. How do we apply to our lives Mashiach's birthing on Tishabov? I mentioned earlier from Medrash that the birthday of Mashiach is on Tishabov, technically yesterday afternoon, as it says in Echah the story where the one traveling and the, the, the pora, the cow that that moved, and the, uh, the Arab who owned the cow said to the Jew, "Your this temple was just destroyed," which of course tragic. Then the the cow moved again, Gasa pambe Pambeis the second time Pamshenis. And he said, "Your Mashiach was just born." Now, this is a medish, but the Adiz, I use it in halacha. That's why we say Nachim, and that's why we makadish the levana actually, but soy because there's a birthing going on. So the question is, why do we apply that? I think it's implicit in what we spoke, but let me spell it out. Every birthing comes from a period before that's pregnancy. Ibur, Leida. Chassidus talks about this based on Pesukim, Heskel and Medrashim, that Golis is compared to Ibur, pregnancy, and Go'ul is compared to birthing. Go'y, of Go'y. When the Jews came out of Egypt. So the Ibur is the state of Golis. Why is it the state of Golis? Because there the child may be viable, but it's completely part and dependent on its mother. It's not yet an independent entity, and it's definitely not a revealed life. You can't say it will, it will survive on its own. Gu'ula is when it emerges, and you see it in a revealed way. But without the ibur, there couldn't be a, a leda. Without the pregnancy, there couldn't be a birth. Pregnancy is also gest- gestation, the development of the fetus. So in Golis, it actually develops to give birth. So when a child is born, it's not some new creation. It was there for nine months. It was developing. And now it's ready to emerge. Same thing with goles and ge'ula. As I mentioned and discussed earlier, Golas is not just some sideshow. It's not just a thing we get over with. Golus, it gives birth to ge'ula. That's why ge'ula, ge'ula, is the same letters. ge'ula, ge'ula, both gimul vav lam hei. Ge'ula is the aleph in the ge'ula. It's revealing the agdus, aluf shalalam the divine within everything that's there before. The fetus is there but it's concealed. It's not fully functional. The mind isn't working on its own. The heart isn't working. It's fully functional that a child has upon birth. So geul is the birthing that comes from the geila with additional aleph. So Mashiach's birth is essentially that. It's a birth that comes from all the darkness and all the concealment and all the pregnancy, which was a gestation period. All the efforts that we do are building blocks. I mentioned my senu vavadesenu. Zechar, mitzvah, mitzvah. Geul is not just a reward for good deeds. Good deeds give birth to Mashiach. Every mitzvah we do, we reveal the spark of Mashiach within us, and we create another building block of Mashiach. When all the building blocks accumulate, you have the collective Mashiach. Darach, keich of mi which both refers to the spark to individual and also to Mashiach as uh, the Rambam says and says in the, as, in the commentaries and in Mermode uh, in, in, in Chazal. So Mashiach is a result, an outgrowth, and a birth of all that came before. What does that mean for us practically? It means that on though on one hand you can say it is a concentration and epitomizes, and it's like the embodiment, the 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 um, reincarnate, if you wish, of all negative that has happened, but within it lies the birthing, which is why when they entered the Beis Amidus, they saw the Keruvim facing each other. As the Rebbe brings from the Svarim and from Chassidus, elaborates on this. Because in this darkest moment lies the deepest love. And lies the birth of Mashiach in the ashes as the flames went up. What it means to us and applied to us is that Mashiach is not just some distant reality, not just a result that comes later, it's an outgrowth of what we are right now. And everything we've done, and we've been told, that we finished the work, and it's just one more step, all is part of that last step that brings the birthing. So when it comes to Tisha B'Av, we recognize, and we say Nachim, and when we Kaddish of Levon, as it says in that Sicha, from Tav he brings there specifically, just to give you the language, the exact language, Um, the, 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 that's the language of the Arizal, and that's also why we say he Olavonim. So it means Tib be Mashiach." He different I'm reading the Sikh from Tovshinun Aleph Tish above and uh, Sare above, that the Rebbe spoke then. So the lesson is very clear: we have to reveal and give birth to the Mashiach within each one of us. That's what we need to do. And what's the Mashiach within each one of us? Is our aspiration to Gula, our learning about Gula, our living a Gula Dika life, doing something that, that has the Aleph in it. Not just being involved in our material activities, even if it's, even if it's which permissible, and even if it's the Shemayim. For guys, will become a sechol Hashem Shemayim, but also focusing on the Aleph, seeing the divine in it. Seeing what will it look like when Mashiach comes, like we spoke about a number of weeks ago, that your table is like an altar. Medicine is a way of understanding God better. Laundromat is a way of understanding the soul's form of renewal. Then whatever you look at, you see in it the daehu, the elam el al dasa sashambalvat, that then everything is you see the godly side of it. So you just look at it, you see the divine providence, you see the lessons. It's raining outside. There's an eclipse. Whatever it may be, you look at it and say, What is its message to me? And that's when you live Mashiach personally, and that collectively accumulates to the global Mashiach, the universal, and Mashiach Chlodi. So Yechidah Shabbanefesh is the Mashiach within each of us, and Yechidah Chlodis is the Mashiach for all of us from the entire world. Let's now go to the essays three essays. Essay number one is energy and its expression. These all three are in Hebrew. So energy and expression, which is Energiot Ubitzua. Energy and its application, maybe. Hashilu Vamushlem, the perfect balance. This is by Mendy Crombie, age 38. Givataim Israel. Rabbi Shliech in the city of Givataim in Israel. Okay. So he talks about Eris de Teu and Chaim de Tikun, the intense energies of the world of chaos, the world of teu, but manifest and enclosed and tailored into the containers, the balanced containers of Tikun. So intensity packaged in a balanced way. And it goes to a whole discussion of the balance of Eris and Calim and how it applies itself to our personal lives, both the challenge when there's an imbalance, gives a lot of very practical examples of human beings and people who are very intense but don't know how to ground it. Some people too grounded and don't have the intensity. Applies it to Te'o and the concept of Te'o and Tikkun Very nicely presented. You know, Te'o and Tikkun is one of those topics that can be very cryptic, and he makes a good summary of the idea, the Melochim, in the end of Pasha Vayishlach, which says Ela Malachim; these are the pedigree of Esau. The Malachim referred to the energies of, of uh, Tayu and it says, Vayimlach, Vayamas, they ruled and they died. Ruling is their intensity, and Vayamas is the shattering of the containers. And then it talks about the archetype and personality of Tayu, the personality of Tikkun, the conflict, and ultimately how you bring together, you balance the paradox, you balance these opposites. And that's how you find a really perfect and a balanced, harmonious, and healthy life. Well done. This essay, as well as other essays, can all be seen as they're posted at MeaningfulLife.com MyLife, as well as if you subscribe to our weekly newsletter where you send a lot of material, we will also send you updates on these essays. The next essay is A Look at the Power of Vision. Mabat al-Hamabat. Yehuda Segel, 35, age 35, Kiryat Gat, Israel. The Meshabi and I know' he uh, answers questions in Gemara in Yeshivat Chabad and Kiryat Gat. And this talks about, uh, again, personal applications. I find that the Israeli, the Hebrew essays all begin with always a personal story. I don't find the English ones quite that much. It seems to be a very common thing. It's a great, good way of, uh, of, of leading someone and making it personal, just as an aside. So he talks about the power of vision, the way it hypnotizes us both in the negative and its power to transform us. And uh, applies that to life. How when a person learns to master this power of vision, it can actually help them in every aspect of life. That's a very nice original type of essay. And that third essay is, A Little Light Dispels a Great Deal of Darkness, Ma'at er Mesalik Har famous expression by... Ya'el Amit, age 56, Beit Shemesh, Israel, an educator, 12th grade, in Amit, Shachah Beit Shemesh. Okay. So this is basing the things taken from the Rebbe Sichis and giving a methodology and approach of how to deal with every aspect of life, with three principles. Everything is divine, everything is good, and the love for another, the unconditional love for another. Using that and applying that to education, into communication, dealing with students, and dealing, of course, with challenges in life. Um, again, well done essay. Thank you so much. Pretty elaborate. I'm just looking through to see if there's any other points I want to make here, but also very appropriate for this time. With that, let us conclude. We conclude this Asarba of the Tisha of Nitche with the birth of Mashiach. That is what we need to remember. That's it, the birthing of Mashiach. We've had enough sadness, enough mourning, enough grieving, enough fasting. Time has come that the light should emerge in its full glory as we were promised. And it's not just a promise. It's based on a fundamental principle that God created a good world. Vayar kitev he saw it was good. And he created a world where he brought light into the world. And we have thousands of years of veda and Masenu of Avedaseinu. So Ad Mosai. That using the Rebbe's immortal words. So may this conclusion of this year, Tov Shinai finally bring the eruption that is right near the surface of the Gula Amitiz Vashlema and Yehov Chiyom Mel L'sosno L'simcha L'mayedim Tevim to celebrate going right into Chamisha HaAsibah of yet lo Yom Yom Tevim L'Yisrael and the greatest yontav of all yom and tevim and from here on should only be achtev, only revealed good, with the coming of Mashiach and Gula, Amitiz vashlema. This has been a special Tisha B'Av edition of My Life Chassidah Supplied, episode 222. Every Sunday we're here from 8 to 9 p.m. So until next Sunday may already be the week of Gula and to complete transformation, both protis Gula Pratis, and Gula Klolis above all, well, for us here and everywhere in the world, mamish, literally, be well.